Good evening. Thank you for being back in your place, at least most of you. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started with our service. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So at least we got two or three here tonight, right? <laughs> it's good to be in the Lord's house today. Brother Benson, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? And join me in standing. 97, live as much in God.
Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house this afternoon. I've uh, asked Brother Charles Marino, I don't know if you've ever met him or not, but ask him to close this up. Brother Chuck, you come preach for us. Mark chapter number 10, if you would please, Mark chapter number 10. Mark chapter number 10. Don't worry, I remembered that I was in Mark 10 earlier this week. We're going to be in a different section of it, just as some time has passed since Wednesday to today. Some time has passed now since verse 31 to verse number 32, where we'll be. And uh, Jesus is now uh, really getting underway to his final, uh, what we call the Passion Week, where he's really coming into the end um, of his earthly life. And uh, as is the case, uh, we're presented in the Gospels where his, his messages become very directed toward a couple of specific things, and we'll see one of those in the message this, this afternoon. And so if you would stand with me, please, one more time, Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 32, we'll begin our reading. Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 32. And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Quite the roller coaster of emotions already. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, And they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. Father, we love you, and we are so grateful for the opportunity to be here in Shawnee for this missions conference. And uh, Lord, I thank you so much for these, um, our friends and uh, our family. And uh, Lord, I thank you so much uh, to be able to preach today. Uh, Lord, I I know the hour that it is, and I ask you to help us to uh, tune in. And uh, Lord, I ask you to do a great work in the uh, commitments that will be made later. We love you and are so grateful for your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You may be seated. Just want to say before we get into it, just want to say thank you so much for um, for your generosity to us and for uh, hosting us and bringing us back uh, for the missions conference. Thank you so much to be able to see all of you again and uh, what a blessing that was and to be able to uh, be a part of the missions conference on this side of it. Certainly never something uh, that I expected, um, but uh, am glad to have been a part of it. And I'm so grateful to all of you and for your faithfulness and giving and making it possible for us to come back. And so I just wanted to thank you uh, all for that. And so uh, in our text, we find that uh, the, the, this beginning here, uh, beginning section, we're going to consider the rest of the chapter of chapter number 10. But at the beginning of the verses that we read here, we're, we're, we find that Jesus has uh, once again uh, started to tell his disciples about what is to come. And uh, this is something that he's done on a number of occasions, specifically in the book of Mark. He's already done it three times, and so now he, do, he does it a fourth time. And, uh, and so he tells them what's about to happen. And in verse number 35 through, 40, uh, through 45, we find that he talks about uh, greatness. And what does greatness mean? And uh, certainly in, in our culture, we have lots of ideas about what greatness is. 
just last night I was uh, looking uh, through Facebook and uh, weirdly just a number of articles came up about uh, why Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time, right? Uh, and that's, that's a fact. You can research that for yourself. Uh, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but the debate is certainly there. And there's article after article and there's video after video about who is the greatest basketball player of all time, right? And uh, this is an interesting fact uh, that I learned last night is that there's uh, usually the, um, usually the uh, argument of who's the greatest basketball player is between uh, you know, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, right? And so there's, uh, there was a survey done that of the 112 players that have played among all three of them, have played against all three of them, 81% said that Michael Jordan was the greatest. So there you go. That's a pretty good stat. Uh, so anyways, but we, we, we see, right, what is his greatness based upon, though, right? Scores rebounds, assists, mainly that he's 6-0 and in the finals, right? That's what greatness is, de- is defined as, that he's undefeated in the finals. Uh, we find this in lots of areas, right? Who's the, the, the greatest actor, the one who has the most Grammys or the most Oscars or, uh, or, or whatever, the most accolades, whoever's f- uh, featured in the most, uh, the most magazines. We, we tend to think that's the greatest actor. The, the greatest scientist is the one who comes up with the, the most theories and the, has tested the most things. And, and we find that the greatest uh, uh, businessman, right, is the one that is making the most strides, thinking of Elon Musk, right, or, uh, or Jeff Bezos. We think that th- these are the greatest of all time. And so, but our, the th- thing about it is that our definition of greatness has been skewed. Uh, it has been skewed, and, and this is not a new thing. In Jesus' day, the idea of greatness was skewed. Uh, we find in our text here that Jesus uh, corrects that as he's talking to two of his disciples. And, and so we find that in verses 32 through 34, let's get into this here, uh, that Jesus presents himself as the suffering servant. Quite a different picture in our minds automatically than what we, could, what we would consider as the greatest person. But Jesus presents himself as Mark does throughout the entirety of his gospel, that Jesus is not only a servant, but he's a suffering servant. One who not just serves others, but as we find in verse number 45 here, that he gives his life as a ransom for many. It's not that he comes to be ministered unto, but to minister, to serve, to serve in the greatest way, by physically and entirely giving of his life. And we find that he goes into some detail here, verse number 33 and 34. He, uh, verse number 32, he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto them. Uh, that, that phrase there, he took again, it means that he, he came alongside of them. Uh, he, he brought them unto, under his arms. As they're walking in the way, as they're walking up to, uh, up to Jerusalem, Jesus goes before them, in front of them. And, and you recall that he's going to Jerusalem to be crucified. And yet he's at the front of the line. He's, he, he's not being guarded by his disciples. Uh, he's not trying to hide behind them because he knows what's ahead. He knows what he has to do. He knows the cup that he has to drink of. Uh, he knows the baptism that he will be baptized with uh, from verse number 39. Uh, he knows the things that are to come, and yet he still, unguarded, goes before them. And as they're walking along the way, he takes them again uh, under his wings, uh, alongside, he brings them alongside him. I'm reminded that that phrase "took again" uh, is the same idea that we find in First Number, First uh, John, Chapter Number Two, where it says that Jesus is our advocate; that He is one who comes alongside, uh, one who brings us along and, and, and pleads our case for us. And and we find the similar idea that He takes again His disciples. He brings them alongside in the midst of uh, a message that is difficult to hear. 
that their, that his, that their rabbi, the Son of Man, the Messiah, would be taken not by, not by simple Romans, but by Gentiles, non-Jewish people, that he would be shamed, that he would be killed even. And we find that this is a difficult message to hear. And they didn't quite get it, even as it was happening. Until his resurrection, they didn't quite understand all the words that he said. And so Jesus here, he presents himself as the suffering servant. And then we find that Mark moves into a story here, uh, an account where James and John, and we find from Matthew that, his mo- that their mother uh, is also there. And they come before Jesus, and they, we find an interesting account here, verse number 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. Not a great start. Not a good start. Jesus, just do whatever we tell you to do. They didn't even ask, right? They just came before him and demanded, Jesus, we're not going to tell you what we want you to do, but we just want you to commit to doing whatever we tell you to do. And so Jesus uh, humors them. Verse number 36, he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? In, in, a, in, a, in a spirit of ultimate humility, when he could have said, hey, James and John and, and James and John's mom, uh, just sit down, okay? I, I got this, right? But in a spirit of humility, he says, what would you that I should do for you? And, and he knows what's in man, doesn't he? John chapter number 2, verse number 25. He knows what's in man. He knew the question that was to come. And so he, he lets them ask. He says, what would you that I should do? Verse number 37, they said unto him, grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy glory. What they were asking for was, Jesus, would you let us have the authority and the position that you have? Would, would you let us sit equal with you when we get to glory? Would, would you let us have the, the authority, the greatness that you have when we get over to the other side? Would you, would you give that to us? Would, would you just let us sit there with you on your right hand and on your left hand? And so, verse number 38, But Jesus said unto them, you don't know what you ask. You, you know not what you ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Can you, can you really do this? Can you have the authority that is based on the thing that I'm about to do? Because that's how Jesus' authority is, fr- is from, isn't it? Because he conquered death. And he conquered, the, uh, he conquered hell through his resurrection. And so he has the authority to sit in glory. To sit at the right hand of the Father. He has that authority. But his disciples, he asked them, are you going to go through the same things that I will go through? Will you drink the cup? The cup is a picture of God's wrath. We see that through scripture, that that God's wrath would be poured out on Jesus. And and Jesus even prayed in in, in Matthew chapter number 26, didn't he? Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not not my will, but thine be done. And so we find that Jesus uh, even said, would would this cup pass from me, Father? And, And he now is saying to James and John, would you drink of this cup? that I'm about to drink? Will you drink of the wrath that I'm about to face? Will you partake in the same things that I'm willingly going to submit myself to in order to have the authority that I'm about to have? Are you going to do that? Will you be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? Look over at Psalm 42. We find a very interesting picture here. If you could, Psalm 42 and verse number, uh, the, the, whole, the whole psalm is very good. It's, it's not too long, but we're just going to look at verses 5 through 9 here. We find some interesting language and an interesting word picture that, that, uh, that, that the chief musician writes here in Psalm 42, verse number 5. 
Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Uh, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the uh, Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep uh, at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. The psalmist is immersed in the things that are going on. The, 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 the soul that is disquieted within him, the emotional distress that he's facing, it's like that he's completely immersed in the waves of it. Certainly, we find some uh, correlation to what Jesus was feeling. The baptism that he would face, the uh, abandonment of his father, where his father would turn his back on him. The, 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 the feelings that Jesus would have as he gives his life uh, as a ransom for all. He's baptized with those things. His, the, the, the waves and the billows are gone over him. Verse number 8, Yet the Lord, the, the Jehovah, the Father, will command his loving kindness in the daytime, in the night his song shall be with me. I will say unto my God, my God, uh, unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Certainly some correlations to Jesus' crucifixion here. And so Jesus asks John and James, Will you be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be taken part of? Will you be baptized with the feelings of, uh, of being forsaken by God, of being forsaken by your family, of being forsaken by your closest, uh, your closest friends? Will you go through that same exact thing? And uh, wouldn't you know it, James and John said, we can. Yeah, we, we got it. Yeah, we'll take the cup. We'll be baptized with the same baptism. We'll, we'll drink the same cup that you're going to drink. And uh, Jesus says unto them, you shall, indeed drink of, you shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. You will face some of these things. You, you will face the persecution. You will face the difficult times. Not to the same extent, but you will face very difficult times in the days ahead. But to sit on my right hand, verse number 40 on my left, is not mine to give. That's not, it's not my position. It's not your position either. Because it's going to be given to them... For whom it is prepared. There's specific people that's going to sit on the right hand and the, and the left. God is going to be on one side of Jesus, right? And, and so we find that it, it, wasn't, it wasn't that John and James even had a place to sit. It's that they didn't even have the authority. But why would they ask Jesus such a ridiculous question? Why would they ask Jesus to have the authority to sit on one side and on the other? Because their definition of greatness was skewed. Their definition of greatness was skewed. Verse number 41, as you can imagine, when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. As the others are there, James and John, what are you doing? Why are you asking Jesus to sit on, uh, right next to him? And, what are you doing? And they get displeased, right? They're mad. James and John, be quiet. Just stop talking. Stop asking this stuff. They're displeased. And so Jesus then teaches them. He says, ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. And so here's Jesus revealing to us how, how James and John and how the typical Jew felt about greatness. How, how they defined greatness was this, that if you could control a lot of people at the same time, then you were a great person. We find this in the, uh, at another place in the Gospels where uh, a, a, a soldier comes to Jesus and says, uh, if I tell my soldiers to go here, they will go there. And if I tell them to come, then they will come, right? That, that, that was the idea, that that was greatness. 
that, that they exercise authority. That no matter what this person in authority said, no matter what the great person said, that that would be done. And the people who looked up to that person thought, what a great person. What, what an authority to have. And, and they would strive for that. How can I get that position? How can I get it where people listen to me? How can I get it where people will do exactly what I tell them to do at the drop of a hat? That, that was greatness. But Jesus says, hold up a second. Because that's not what greatness is in my kingdom. Greatness in my kingdom is not where you can tell someone to go there and they will go. Or to call someone to come and they will come. That's not greatness. Verse number 43. So shall it not be among you. The, the, the definition of greatness is of stark contrast between the Gentiles and people of God. Stark contrast. Very, very different. It shall not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your what? Minister. Servant. That's what greatness is. Not when someone says to go there and they go or to come and they will come. But when you go and do the thing. Or when you have a need and you do it for other people. That's what greatness is. To minister. Verse number 44. And whosoever will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Similar idea is the end of verse number 43. Similar idea. Whosoever will be the chiefest. Whoever will be the top dog is really the one who is the servant of all. The one who we would account as not being the greatest. As being the lowliest of all. That's really the chiefest. A turning over of human judgment. We find that even in the message that we preached on Wednesday. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. A turning over of what people expect. We expect great things from great people. We don't expect servanthood from great people. But Jesus said that's exactly who is the greatest. That's exactly who is the chiefest. Is the one who gives all. And we have an example here where Jesus reveals himself as the greatest servant. With good, with good ways to back it up. It's not that Jesus was empty talking, was he? He said, verse number 45, For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. The ultimate sign of servanthood, where he, one man, would give himself for all of humankind. Every single person who had ever lived and was living at that time, and who would ever live after that, and who would ever live after now, for all eternity, every person who ever lived, Jesus served by giving his life. And that is the greatest of all. That he even uses of his, uh, the, this title of himself, the Son of Man. Quite the, quite the lofty title that we find throughout Scripture, that, that the Son of Man is, is quite a, a title of, of honor, and is quite a title that has some authority and has some power, and yet the Son of Man is one that gives his life as a ransom for many. That's what greatness is. Greatness is not exercising authority upon them or exercising lordship over them, being rough and, and having a, not a spirit of gentleness, uh, but exercising lordship, being, being difficult with people as a leader. That's, that's not what greatness is. Greatness is giving your life as a ransom for many. And that's what Jesus said that he was. So we find that 
that he, he opens up in our text this evening from 32 to 34, that he tells them that he is a servant. And then he tells them again in verse number 45 that he is a servant. And then at the end of the chapter here, verses 46 through the end, we find that he shows them that he is a servant. Not as much as when he's on the cross, but he shows them that he is the servant of all. Verse number 46, we find this account. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. And he commanded him to be called. And they, they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, and he rose and came to Jesus. He didn't want anything to hinder him at all. So I, I, I got to get out of here as quick as I can because Jesus is calling me. And Jesus answered, verse number 51, said unto him, what, will that, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? How can I serve you? How can I show myself as a servant of all in your life? The blind man said to him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. We find that Jesus is being a servant to this man, Bartimaeus. An interesting point that we need to point out is, what does Bartimaeus mean? What does his name mean? Well, Bartimaeus means the son of Timaeus. We're getting somewhere, but that still doesn't mean a lot. So what does Timaeus mean? Well, Timaeus means the one who is honored. Bartimaeus is the son of he is to be honored. The one who should have honor upon him because his family is honored. His family is honorable people. But we find that Bartimaeus is not in any sort of position of honor. He's by the highway side begging. He, he's among the lowliest of all. And yet Jesus comes to him and he says, what can I do for you? How can I help and serve you? And he does it because he is the servant of all. And so as we look at this, as we, look at this we find that Jesus tells them that he is a servant and then he tells them that he's a servant again, and then he shows them that he is a servant. And so what I want to get at this evening is this, that being involved in missions is an act of servanthood. It's an act of servanthood because it, it involves giving of ourselves. It, it means giving of yourself. It means giving of your time. It means giving of your finances, giving of your energy, giving of, 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 of everything that you are. It means being a servant. And certainly we would strive for greatness, wouldn't we? we? We would strive to be great in the world's eyes. We would strive to, be, strive to be great in God's eyes. But the only way that that's accomplished is through servanthood. By saying, how can I help everyone that I can? It's quite a tall order. It's, it's quite difficult to try to help everyone. But we can help somebody. We can help one. You heard about the, uh, the, the girl that was on the beach and she was throwing starfish into the beach. You've heard this before? I'm sure you have, but don't stop me. I want to hear it again. I got that from my father-in-law. I didn't come up with that. But you heard about the girl. She was throwing, throwing starfish one by one into, back into the ocean. They had, they had come up on the beach and they were drying out. And she picks one up. She throws it in. A man sees her off the way and she, he's, he's questioning, what, what, is this, what is this girl doing? 
Why is she throwing a starfish into the ocean? Why does she keep bending over and picking them up? And so he goes over and, and uh, he says to the little girl, Girl, don't you know that you're never going to be able to save all these starfish? She said, yeah, but I made a difference in that one's life. I made a difference in that one's life. I made a difference in that one's life. One by one, she helped. And certainly we would try to help everyone that we can because everyone is in need of the gospel. The millions of people in our country, the billions of people around the world are in need of the gospel. And we should strive to help everyone that we can. We can't, but we can try to help one. And so as, as, we're about to, as you're about to make your commitments, ask yourself, it, are these dollars enough to help somebody? Is my commitment enough where I'm a real servant to the world by way of missions? And that's just in giving. Because maybe there's somebody here, maybe a teenager, maybe there's an adult that maybe that they've been questioning in your heart, maybe I'm supposed to be a missionary. Maybe I'm supposed to go. And I understand there's careers, and I understand that there's children, I understand that there's families, I understand all of those things. But the greatest of all is the one who is a servant. The greatest of all is the one who gives his life, not as a ransom for many, but to tell people of the one who gave his life as a ransom for many. And so I, I don't know where you're at, but I do want to ask you this. Are you a servant by way of giving to missions? Are you a servant by being involved in missions by your life? Are you a servant when it's time for visitation to come and you think, well, it's just so difficult to try to get out there at 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday and it's so difficult to try to talk to somebody about the gospel? But we have to be a servant because our greatest example, the Son of Man, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom. Father, we love you so much, and we are grateful that you are a servant. Lord, that you gave us the perfect example of it. Father, we are so grateful for uh, your sending your son to be a ransom for many. And uh, Lord, I, I ask you to help us as this missions conference is just about to end in a few minutes. Uh, Lord, that you would help Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple to be full of servants ones that give their life for the sake of the gospel, ones that follow the example of Jesus Christ. Father, I ask you to work in this time of invitation. We love you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano begins to play, as we stand to our feet, is your life characteristic of a servant this afternoon? Uh, are you busy about serving people for the sake of the gospel? As Jay sings, verse number one, cleanse me, come and do business with him. Search me. this afternoon? Are you committed to being a servant? Not one who ministers, is ministered unto, but one that ministers.
so so far this morning um, our faith promise totals 77,554. Uh, we finished last year at uh, 98,000, and uh, this was like close to the first number we got last year. Uh, I know that this number will grow uh, through the uh, next couple of weeks, um, and if you feel like you want to increase yours, we will let you do that, by the way. And uh, just get one of those cards filled out, drop it in the box, or give it to Brother Carl. Because um, we want to continue uh, to serve the Lord and do great things for him. And so if you're interested in doing that, uh, that'd be great. Um, are you guys ready to go? How are you going to do it? And hand them out? Are you going to put them in? Hand them out? Okay, so all those who are 18 and older, member of Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple, if you put your hands up, uh, we'll give you a ballot. Uh, to use to vote for our whether or not we're going to call uh, Lalo and his wife Caitlin to be our next youth director. Eighteen and older. So hopefully you've been praying about this also. Um, we had uh, Lalo and his wife in uh, last weekend and uh, had him preach, um, meet with the teens and so forth. And uh, so um, let's, uh, let's just go ahead and have a word of prayer and then we'll vote. And then um, guys, you come, Guffums are going to sing for us uh, as we pick these up. And uh, so let's pray. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for this weekend. What a great weekend it's been. It's been busy, and it's been full. God, we want you to get the glory for it. And we pray that you would continue to lead in the lives of each one of the missionaries that we've had. What a joy it's been to have them here and to see the ministries from uh, how you're leading and guiding them. We pray that you'd bless them in a great way. Lord, I pray that you would lead us as a church now, even as we're going to vote. Uh, about um, Lalo and his wife, Caitlin, coming and uh, working here and ministering with us. Lord, if this be your will, play, pray that you'd make it very evident to us, very evident to them, and that you'd be glorified through it. We love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Vote. The guy's going to come back with offering plate.
to call him and he just texts me back I asked him will you and your wife come and work on staff with us he said yes sir absolutely so we've hired a guy doesn't make it okay that you left 
but God has a plan, right? Has a plan. Praise God. We need to do one more thing. We need to spend a little money. So um, as pastor, there's certain benefits that you have that you get. Uh, one of the things that we have set up several years ago uh, was a travel fund for myself. And so when I get ready to go on a missions trip or uh, something like that, I have a fund that we can dip into. And so it doesn't have to come out of our general funds or any of those other funds. We've got it set aside. It just makes it a lot easier. Now, my good friend, Brother Slate, probably had benefits like that where he pastored. Uh, he doesn't get to enjoy that anymore, right? He's got to make pens sell wares and travel up and down the highway, giving pins away, hoping to get people to buy more. I'm just teasing. But uh, I had him come because I know your heart, and he's getting ready to go to Germany, be a blessing to missionaries over there. And I think it'd be great if we'd give him $2,000 to help him do that, uh, help meet the need that he has. Um, so any discussion? I see a second. All in favor, aye. Anyone opposed? All right. Praise the Lord. So you're a missionary for a few months here for us, okay? And when you get back, I'm going to have you back and you can tell us about it, okay? Deal? I've just grown to love them. The more I'm around them, the more they, they're, you know, this is a different area of ministry that God's moved them into. I guess I see myself there maybe in 10 or 15 years, but... Um, we do love and appreciate them and love the church that they're a part of and the pastors. So it's a blessing to be. I'm going to have the Scuffums going back. Uh, Brother Slade, if you and your wife want to go back, and take the door back. It's been a, a good week. I don't always understand why God does things the way he does. But I know he has a plan and uh, has difficult as this week has been, I believe he's been glorified in all that we've done and accomplished. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Doc, would you close us in?